challenging, dark moment in my life. And um, I was a Christian, but kind of sort of undefined, trying to find purpose in my life. And I don't know if you've ever been there, but um, I woke up one Sunday morning in November of 1980. I wasn't married yet, living in Brooklyn, and I had just heard from a friend of mine like a year prior to that morning, hey, I, I visited this church called the Brooklyn Tabernacle, and maybe one day you ought to go there. And I remembered hearing that as I woke up that morning because I needed to go somewhere where nobody knew me, God obviously, but, but I could just be somewhere where I could really ask the Lord to speak to my heart because I needed him to really speak to you. Have you ever been there? Yes. And I walked into, found where the church was, and I walked into the Brooklyn Tabernacle that was at that time located on Flatbush Avenue off 7th Avenue. And um, I've been there ever since that Sunday. And that was about 39 years ago. And um, the rest is history. I could stand here for hours and tell you about the countless, countless numbers of people that have come to Christ, have been changed by the power of God. And um, it's just, to me, it's just miraculous to see what God has done at that church through the power of God. And um, so our speaker today, he, 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 we, I've been on the pastoral staff there at the Brooklyn Tabernacle since 1988, so what is that, some 30 some odd years. I worked with Pastor Simbola, we've traveled together, we've eaten in each other's homes together, and um, I can honestly say that after all those years, he's the same broken man still hungering and thirsting for the Lord. And for that I'm so appreciative. He travels all over, not just the country, he's probably been in every state in the country, but he travels all over the world going to be in career in a couple of weeks and just uh, meeting with pastors and just trying to encourage the body of Christ. He's all about just encouraging the body of Christ. And so I'm delighted that he took, took time out of his schedule to be here with us tonight. So could you give a warm welcome to Pastor Jim Simple. Thank you. Good afternoon, everyone. How are you? It's an honor to be here. I want to be an encouragement to you. I want to thank uh, President Scales and everyone else, Pastor, I mean, uh, Dean Hammond here for the invitation. And you're just starting the new school year, right? How's it going? Good? Settled in all your, all your classes. And um, a lot of exciting things are going to happen. Um, I don't want to talk about my experience here uh, with the Lord. I want to focus on things you're going to face that I know you will face. I have enough experience to know that you're all headed toward trying to find and then do God's will. Amen? Amen? The only success you can have in life is finding God's will and doing it. Doesn't matter what your peers think of you. Doesn't matter how well known you are. Those are all irrelevancies. The only thing that matters, why did God save you? What's his purpose for your life? That's where you're going to find fulfillment. That's the only joy and deep sense of contentment you'll ever know is doing God's will. You could be successful at something, make a lot of money or whatever, 
And if it isn't God's will, there'll always be that edge inside of you that I'm, I'm missing something. Missing what God called me to do. I was not uh, <clears throat> trained to be a minister. I was an all-city basketball player here in New York. Went to college on a basketball scholarship. And uh, my wife um, was a pastor's daughter and um, was not trained musically. She's won six Grammy Awards with her choir, but she can't read or write music. Um, she can't read the songs that she writes. That's amazing. Um, the joke in our church is she doesn't know what she's doing. She just keeps doing it every Sunday, and we're happy that she does it. But God put us together and then called us into the ministry kind of through the back door. And you're never happier than when you're doing the work of the Lord. I don't care. There's times for vacation and family and children and, and all kinds of other beautiful things in life. A great meal at a great restaurant, time together with family. But you're never happier than when you're doing the work that God's called you to do. Remember that. A lot of other voices will deceive you. No, shoot for that star, go for that. That's not where it's at. At the end of life, we're all going to stand before the Lord. We want to hear him say, good and well done, good and faithful servant. What do servants do? What they're told. And that's why you have to find what God wants you to do. Not peer pressure, not family pressure, not denominational pressure. No pressure from anyone. You've got to hear God's call on your life and do it. Now, even when you do it, and <clears throat> you get out into the world of fulfilling, I, with these columns here, I just hope I make a connection with all of you. You don't mind if I walk a little bit. Um, you face situations where you need a supernatural intervention by God. You'll face that. It's the way it works. No matter how God has called you, he's going to let you be, permit you to get put in situations where there's no plan B. It's either God comes through or bust. He has to step in spiritually with new power and wisdom to know how to minister. Uh, financially to pay your bills here or in the future. I used to need thousands of dollars when I started in the ministry. No, first hundreds. The first offering I took was $85 was the total uh, tithes and offering of the little church that Carol and I began in with less than 20 people. Uh, and we needed every dollar. And then it was hundreds we had to believe God for. And now it's millions and dozens of millions of dollars at times that God has supplied. But God has to do it. You need a miracle. You need a miracle sometimes in your body, in your mind. You're crushed, you're hurt, you're disappointed. You need God to heal you supernaturally. A shrink won't do it. You need God to touch you. And that's supernatural by nature. It's miraculous by nature. And that's what the Christian religion is about. Let me just remind you. If you lose the sense of the supernatural in your life and in your ministry, you're cooked. It's over. Because Christianity, if it's anything, it's not a mental religion. It's not a teaching religion. Jehovah Witnesses and Mormons teach. That's all they can do. We have a living Savior. We have the power of the Holy Spirit. We have a God, <clears throat> we have a God who says, call upon me and I will answer you. That's supernatural. 
God created the earth out of nothing. He spoke it into existence, miraculous. Uh, he spoke uh, to Abraham about his descendants, totally supernatural, foretold what would happen. When they were in slavery for 400 years in Egypt, God took them out supernaturally. This Red Sea opened. He raised up a failure of a man named Moses supernaturally and made him the deliverer. Uh, when they got out into the desert for 40 years, he fed them every day supernaturally. That was manna that came. It was supernatural. Not talking about emotionalism. Not talking about crazy stuff that people make up and act like they have a daily uh, moment by moment conversation with God. The, the devil will use the excesses and the emotionalism and fanaticism of people who are, are bent a little bit and, and to make you throw out the baby with the bathwater. So now you won't believe God for anything. You just study the Bible and go out to eat. Christianity is more than that. It's not a Bible study. It's a living Savior who's going to supply for us and help us. Amen? Can we all put our hands together and just clap for the family? So, in the New Testament, Jesus was born of a virgin. Supernatural. He died on the cross and bore the sins of the world. Every wrong, filthy thing any of us have ever done or said or looked at, he bore all of that on the cross. He paid for it as a substitute for us in a way that we cannot imagine. It was supernatural. God put on him the sins of the world. That's supernatural. He paid for them with his blood. We're cleansed by his blood. That is supernatural. That If it's anything, it's supernatural. So the Bible tells us that he rose again on the third day, supernatural. He took failures of people like Peter, who had denied him three times and, and, and cursed the third time, said he didn't know him. He made him a great man of God, a preacher. Um, he had spent three and a half years with these disciples, but he didn't have much success. I want to point that out to you. That shows that even with a teacher like Jesus and with an example like Jesus, without the miraculous power of the Holy Spirit, nobody gets changed. You can read the words of Jesus. You can study the works of Jesus. Unless you have the spirit of Jesus working inside of su corazón, then nothing happens. Nothing. So, it's supernatural. It's supernatural. He's coming back again. Supernaturally. If you dismiss that and you take an intellectual view of, oh, that's old-fashioned, dinosaur-like, primitive thinking, you, you're, you're, you're going to miss God. Gonna be, if you find God, if you're a Christian, you have to live in the realm of the supernatural. When you're hurt, you need peace. What kind of peace? The peace of God that passes all understanding. But where do you get that? Supernaturally by the Holy Spirit. In other words, ours is not a mental religion. It's not a legal religion. Uh, here are the laws. Now try to obey them. Promise God you'll be better. That is not Christianity. It has nothing to do with that. Trying to live a good life. It has to do with the miracle of being born again. Yes. Unless you're born of the water and of the spirit. Yes. Christ in you. Now you become that person God wants you to be. So, given the fact that I've face that many times you will face it some of you have already seen God come through supernaturally I would like to talk to you briefly about how to see a miracle in your life how God does miracles 
We all need, from time to time, we need daily miracle of God keeping us. Yes. If left to ourselves, we will all self-destruct. Yes. Do you recognize that? Yes. Because in the flesh dwells no good thing. Yes. So there's nothing good in me. God's not going to work with me. He's not trying to improve Jim Cimbala. There's nothing to improve. I'm hopeless. I'm depraved. I wouldn't know how to do good if I tried. So he bypasses me and he puts a spirit inside of me, his spirit. He gives me a new heart and a new mind. That's supernatural. Do you get it? Many times people are struggling in their Christian walk because they're not believing in the supernatural power of God. They're trying to make a new promise, a new uh, resolve, a new resolution. I want to turn over a new leaf. Now I'm going to get serious about it, God, only to flop again and then you get discouraged. You can't keep yourself. Only God can keep us. Yes. Only God can make us daily what he wants us to be. Are you with me? Yes. So, I'm going to read to you briefly the very first miracle Jesus ever did. And from that, let's gather a couple of things and then let's pray. On the third day, a wedding took place in Canaan in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there. And Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, they have no more wine. Woman, this is a very uh, complex verse, or a very mysterious verse. Um, uh, oh, this is great. They serve water here, too. Praise God. <laughs> Thank you. I'll, I'll, uh, that's good. That's good. Thanks. So, very, very mysterious verse. The commentators aren't in agreement on what happens here exactly. Woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied, my hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. Then he told them, now draw the water out and take it to the master of the banquet. They did so, and the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He did not realize where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. Then he called the bridegroom aside, and he said, everyone brings out the choice wine first, and the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink. But you have saved the best until now. What Jesus did here in Canaan of Galilee was the first of the signs through which he revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. So now we learn that the first miracle that Jesus did, we remember, he turned the water into wine. How did that miracle happen? That's the first miracle he did. The disciples started to believe in him. We need bad circumstances to be turned into good. We need lack of money to be turned into enough money. We need uh, heartache to be healed so that we have joy and peace. We need miracles. You need it every day. I need it every day. Then there's big challenges when you get involved in the ministry that God has for you. And when you're a leader like the president here, Scales, or, or, or um, the other people who are heading up ministries around the country or pastors of churches, they face huge obstacles. I one day was faced with a challenge where I needed to come up with $6 million, and I, I didn't have $6, uh, much less $6 million, and God supplied miraculously, because he loves 
to permit us to get into situations where we don't know what to do so that he can show how mighty he is, how faithful he is. So the situation shouldn't discourage us. Don't get discouraged. Don't say, what am I going to do? Say, oh, this is a setup. God is going to do something here so that his name will be glorified. That's not about you or me. It's about his name. His name being glorified. So how did the miracle happen? So we could learn how miracles can happen in your life and my life. We can learn to draw near to God and trust him. He turned the water into wine at a wedding in Cana of Galilee. How did that happen? How did Jesus turn the water into the wine? How did he do that? First thing, he would have never turned the water into the wine unless he was there at the wedding. The only way he turned the water into the wine was he was at the wedding. That's why he turned the water into the wine. He's not there. There's no water into wine. Why was he there? Because they invited him. Bible says Mary, his mother, was there, but they had also invited Jesus and his disciples. Lesson number one, you got to invite Jesus into your situation. Jesus is a gentleman. He will always go where he's invited. You got to invite him in. How do you become a Christian? You invite Jesus into your life. And he'll come because he's a gentleman and he loves us and he's kind and he has a plan for us. But he doesn't go where he's not invited. You don't invite him and you figure, you say, I'll figure this out myself. You're in your own. There's no promise in the Bible that you can stand on. You got to invite Jesus, not only into your life to become a Christian, into your relationship. Some of you here, you're going to fall in love with someone or think you're in love with someone and start to see them or you're in a relationship, you got to invite Jesus into that relationship or you're going to mess it up. It's going to come out bad. But every place Jesus is invited, he brings blessing. He brings sufficiency. But you got to invite him. You say that's simplistic. It's not simplistic. A lot of people do a lot of things. We don't invite Jesus into it. You got to invite Jesus every day you wake up. Why don't you ask Jesus to spend the day with you tomorrow when you wake up? He'll spend the day with you. Think of your classes. Think who you're going to meet. Think of an exam you might have. Think of books of study that you have to make and invite Jesus into it. Say, Jesus, I don't want to do today alone. I want to do today with you. Would you walk with me? Would you help me? Would you give me insight? Would you give me wisdom? Would you give me power? Would you give me patience with that person who tries me? Aggravating me. Oh, you know someone like that. Wow. I need you, Jesus. I invite you in. Of course he'll come. He goes wherever he's invited. What do you think? He's going to run away from you? If you invite him, if you have the humility and the faith to invite the living Jesus into your day, your situation, your finances. How about this? Your career. What are you going to do in life? You're going to figure it out on your own and not invite him to lead you and guide you? Then you're on your own. What can I tell you? Whenever you invite Jesus and he'll help you. This is how we make shipwreck of our lives and lose efficiency. Or churches, uh, they don't invite Jesus into the meeting. They think they're going to do it with excellence of music and clever speaking. Lots of luck. In this world, with all the... Demonic powers that are working against the cause of Christ. You and I are going to do it because we're smart. Oh, come on. That's not even close. 
We need Jesus in everything. Yes. You know, you start, my, my wife starts a choir practice last night, her first practice of the fall season. They pray. They invite Jesus into the practice. Yeah. Well, of course he'll come and help you learn. And he'll anoint the music. Yeah. If you want to do just music on your own, then do music on your own. You're not going to affect everyone. What do you think, people are moved by chords and sounds? Or by emotional stirrings on the organ? That's going to change nobody. And the Lord said, <laughs> not changing anybody. That's just what the Lord said. Da-da. That's so played out. We need the power of God in our services. Can we say amen today? It's not hard. It's not hard to have. You don't have to twist his arm. He wants to come, but he wants to be invited. Invite him into everything, your relationship, your life. Just invite him. I can't do it without you, Jesus. Yes. You'll see what he'll do. It's amazing. Yes. You with me? Yes. Number two, how did the water get turned into the wine? The water got turned into the wine because Jesus was at the wedding. How was, why was Jesus at the wedding? Because he was invited. Number two, Mary told him they have no more wine. Listen to her request. They have no more wine. Five words. Without those five words, there's no water into wine. She came and told Jesus the problem. Do you want to have miracles in your life? You've got to tell Jesus your problem. From your heart, su corazón, from your heart. Not only su cabeza, not just your head. You've got to tell God from your heart. This is my problem. I'm afraid. This is my problem. I'm selfish. This is my problem. I, I, I can't pray. I, I lost my, I have no discipline. This is my problem. Some appetite's out of control. This is, this is my problem. Uh, unclean thoughts come in my mind and torment me. Tell them what is the problem because Jesus will help you and help me. Isn't this the worst thing that can happen to your life and mine at the end of the at the end of the day, it's written about us on our tombstone. They had not because they asked not. Don't tell me God's in the control and he's on the throne. I got that. But I want to know how this works out on the ground. Okay? And how it works out on the ground is you have to ask. Ask and you shall receive. Seek and you'll find. Knock and it shall be open to you. Why do you think God says, my house shall be called a house of prayer, not teaching. Teaching has its place. I'm trying to do it now. Not a house of music. Singing has its place. But a house of prayer. Why? Because when you ask, I'm waiting to help you. But if you don't ask, just think of all the services, New York, this Sunday, where people will come in, intellectually be stimulated, hear some music, and they'll never touch God with their hearts and ask him for what they really need. Because prayer is just downplayed, it's too simplistic, it's just, you know, there, there, just no faith that, that God answers prayer. No faith. So God tells us here, Mary said five words. <clears throat> Notice how simple they are. They have no more wine. Say that with me. They have no more wine. So they have water. <laughs> I thought he was going to rip. 
Notice you don't have to talk to God, oh, thou God who inhabits the corridors of eternity. Oh, just tell him what you need. Please stop and just get to the point and tell God, worship him, praise him. Never imitate the way anyone else prays. Don't imitate your pastor. Don't imitate your denomination. I'm going to run out of time. You can't clap. Uh, don't imitate the way you heard church growing up. Stop that. Just stop it. Be real. Be, be how you talk. I, I always get up nervous around ministers or anyone who talk to different in church than they do, you know, when, when, when you're just with them. You think Jesus had two faces or two voices? I'm with people sometimes and, and I hand them the mic over the years or I'm just someplace and I know them and they're preaching. Hand the horses, home. Hand the horses, home. I went, wait, I just ate with you. You never said to the waitress, pass me the bread, home. That's just, look, look. Hey, time's running out. Listen, shh. Time's running out. We got we got problems in this city. We got we have serious work to do. We can't have church. If you want to have church, then waste your life having church. I don't want to have church. I was tired of church at 14. I want to have God. How many want to have God rather than just church? Reality. Be always be yourself and never copy anyone. This is aside for those who might ever preach or testify. Never imitate anyone else. Don't try to be spiritual. Don't change your voice. Don't put a tear in your voice. Just be who you are. God doesn't use actors. Actors are for Broadway. What, what we need here is just simple people, men and women who speak the truth in love and trust God. That's what the world needs. That's all the world looks for. That's the great need of this city. Somebody smoking weed all day long or, or bent out of shape on Oxycontin. You, you think they need somebody coming? <laughs> Just stop. Just talk to them. Love them. Be kind to them. And when you pray, be natural. Tell them what you need. Even some of you today. Parents that are here, you have wayward children. Tell them what you want to see happen. Tell them to bring them back. Some of you are trapped in some, some trick of the enemy. Tell them you're trapped. Tell them. Just speak it. The miracle happened because they invited Jesus. And number two, they told him what the problem was. Number three, Mary said, um, Mary said two great sentences in the Bible. Number one, at least to me, number one, beside her song, the song of Mary, which we remember at Christmas time. But the first sentence that stands out to my mind was when the angel came and said, look, you're going to have give birth to the Messiah. You're going to be the mother of the Messiah. You're going to be the mother of the Son of God. Well, how can that happen? I don't know a man. I haven't been intimate with a man. No, the Holy Spirit will overshadow you. Some of the experts think Mary might have been 15 years old, 16, 17 years old. How in the world do you believe that? How in the world can you believe you're going to have a baby? Never happened before. Never happened since. You're going to have a baby with no contact with a man. And on top of that, he's going to be the son of God. I mean, who could believe that? And yet she said, let it be according to your word. Ooh. Don't you want that kind of faith in your life? That no matter what God promises you, 
You can say, yes, Lord, do it. I know, how's that going to work out? How's that going to work out? What will he grow up to be? How will he live? How will he die? What, how should I raise him? Think of all the questions she could have raised, like we would. No, she just was simple childlike. Let it be according to your word. That's what you want, so be it. I'm not going to worry about the details. You'll work that out. I just say yes. Here's the other great thing she said. She said to the servants, this made the miracle happen. Do whatever he tells you. Say that with me. Do whatever he tells you. Say it again. Do whatever he tells you. No miracle unless she gives those instructions to the servant. Do whatever he tells you. And Jesus tells them to fill six jars that fill, fill up at 20 to 30 gallons. I'm not talking about the little glass of water they gave me. I'm talking about <laughs> gallons. Do whatever he tells you. What does that mean? You want to see miracles in your life? I need them every day. I want them. I need them. My wife and I need some new ones. As of this morning, some things hit us and we some challenges and she's doing a new project. And uh, the choir's flying to the ARC experience in Kentucky and going to sing there uh, in... in, in um, October, and she's got a music conference coming up, and she's going to do a new project, God willing, in January. And I'm going to Korea to talk to 7,000 pastors at Yodo Full Gospel Church in October. And, and, and I, I need a word from the Lord. I don't want to go over there and spin my wheels. I want to help somebody. But how? I don't have the ability to help anyone. I, but God can help me to help someone. Can he? So, do whatever he tells you. You can't see miracles unless you're doing what God tells you to do. Let's start with this simple thing. See this book? It tells us how to live. You can't disobey this book, be sleeping around, be violating scripture, be gossiping and slandering other people, be, be covetous with your money, spend no time in prayer with God. You can't live against this Bible and then when you're in trouble say, I need a miracle. That's modern theology, but it doesn't work. That's user-friendly churches taken to the extreme. Where we don't honor God, we're just trying to make everybody feel comfortable. Yeah. God's not about you being comfortable or me yeah. being comfortable. He's about telling us the truth so our lives can be blessed and we'll spend eternity with Him. Do whatever He tells you. If you're doing anything today that He convicts you about, that's against the Word of God, don't, don't fall into that trap of, oh, it's a new day. There is no new day. There's no new way of doing church. There's no old way of doing church. There's just the Bible way of doing church. Oh, what are you, a dinosaur from another world? No, I'm just telling you what the Bible says. If anyone says he loves God and doesn't keep his commandments, he's a liar. The truth is not in him. And here's the simple truth. If we will do as best, listen, nobody's perfect. But we've got to be aiming at the light and, and being like Christ. If we will do what Christ asks, won't he do what we ask? Yes. Did you hear what I just said? Yes. If we will do what he asks in his word, how he wants us to live. I know this is cutting through a lot of fog for some of you, but I, I, have to, I don't know when I'll see you again. I've got to tell you the truth. Because I have to go to sleep tonight. 
Do you think God's going to ask me, did you dazzle them? Did they like your talk? What would that have to do with life? It doesn't matter how you like it or don't like it. I have to answer, did I tell you the truth? Listen, if you do what he asked, he will do what you ask. How could I ignore what he says, and then when I'm in trouble, come to him and say, I don't care what you say and how you want me to live, but boy, I need help now. I'm short $10,000, come through now. Is that even polite? Would we do that with anyone else? Ignore their life, what their wishes are, but then hit them up for something when we're in trouble? Not feeling any love up here. Are you with me or not? How many understand what I'm talking about? Lift your hand. I know for some of you, you're struggling because God's convicting you. That's what God is doing right now. You have church, but you don't have the walk with the Lord he wants you to have. But he wants to bring you to a place of obedience. Do whatever he tells you. And then when you ask him, you'll see miracles in your life. But how can I live a dirty life or a double life or a tricky life or something like that? Be stealing money from the church. And then I'm going to get up and say, oh, God, I need you now. That's a joke. Is it not a joke? Hello? Is it not a joke? So I didn't come here to make you comfortable and have you cheer for me. But I do love you. And if you love people, you tell them the truth. Okay, so I don't want anyone deceived here. I'll live any way I want because it's all about me. But oh God, I do need you now. Stop. Please, don't waste your life like that. Let's follow him. How many want to follow him? Come on. Lift your hand high if you want to follow him. After all he's done for us on the cross when we didn't know him, you think he's going to hurt you now? You think if he asked me to obey him and says... Do what he tells you. You think he's going to ask me to do something that would hurt me? No. He'll only ask us to do things to keep us out of trouble. Heartache. Problems. Broken marriages. Children crying. That's the way it is. Do whatever he tells you and see the glory of God. I know the Holy Spirit's working here now as I'm talking. But that's good. I'm glad that God gave me this message here for you this afternoon. Do whatever he tells you, and you'll see the glory of God. But there's also another side to this, not just the morals of the Bible, but do whatever he tells you, what he wants you to do, and how he wants you to minister for him, his plan for your life. Do whatever he tells you. You feel a call to the mission field? Don't be asking, oh, how, I don't know. How would I ever do that? I'll never be happy if I follow what God wants. That's a lie from the pit of hell. When you follow Jesus, you never lose. Do whatever he tells you. Get up in the middle of the night and pray for someone if that's what the prompting is. Call someone. Ask him, I want to pray for you. God put him on my heart. That's, he told me to do this. Don't worry about their reaction. Do whatever he tells you. Go where he wants you to go. A mission trip. Whatever. Around the block. Take care of some widow. Whatever the thing is that he lays on your heart, do it. I have found that is absolutely liberating. Liberating. Do whatever he tells you. He'll lead us. He'll guide us. When he called me into the ministry, I didn't want to go. I didn't want to do what he told me to do. I was working for an airline, traveling around the country and the world for free. My wife and I went on a honeymoon to Hawaii for 10 bucks each in first class. Just a service charge. Then to come to downtown Brooklyn with 11 people on a Sunday morning at $85 offering and broken down pews. 
One Sunday while I was speaking and my sermons were bad, I fell asleep while I was preaching. <laughs> one day while I was preaching, one of the pews that was broken down gave way. I heard this crack and two or three people that were sitting on this bench, there were only 15 people probably there, they all fell on the floor. Some of the other people thought it was a move of the Holy Spirit. They were like, oh, praise God. Praise God. People are on the floor. Praise Stop the whole thing and tell him there's, there's no move of God that pew just broke. Stop. Relax. You don't think that was a battle for me? Selfish, used to traveling around for free, the good life and all of that. You don't think that was a battle for me? My mother was against it. Her dad, my dad had been drinking since I was 11. I grew up in alcoholic home. And my mom said to me, is that true? With your college degree, you're leaving everything to go pastor a church in downtown Brooklyn when you're not even trained, and there's no people, and there's nothing, and you got a daughter? I said, yeah, Mom, that's what he told me to do. And my wife and I are going to do it. Yeah, well, how are you going to live? How are you going to pay your bills? My mom, Polish, Eastern European, very practical. She was at a down point. She had been beat down by my dad's living, and he had beat her physically, and the years had taken a toll. Uh, how are you going to live? Well, Mom, I'm going to live by faith. And she said, and what does faith pay? And as God is listening to me, tears started coming out of my eyes. That's my mom. I love my mom. And I could see she was not happy. Then she became the biggest support for my wife and I as she saw God helping us. But do you think that was easy for me to do what God told me to do? No, I didn't want to do it. Battles. Twice I was so discouraged I tried to get out of the ministry because I couldn't take it. Sense of failure, frustration. But that's what he told me to do. And thank God he, he kept me and blocked me. And my mom supported and prayed for us. Till the, she died. She just died six, seven months ago at 104 years old and five months. Listen, she's with the Lord now. I told you, I'm Polish. We're not smart, but we keep walking. We keep living. We keep breathing. That's how it is. He was invited. They told him the problem. They were ready to obey. And sometimes he'll ask you to do strange things. He will, sometimes. you got to get pastors and people that you trust spiritually to help you know the voice of God. Not every thought you get in your head is from God. Sometimes he asks you to do different things you're not expecting. He did that with A.B. Simpson. And you're here because of A.B. Simpson's walk with God. Otherwise, you wouldn't be here. There'd be no Nyack without A.B. Simpson. You ought to read about his life. Unfortunately, a lot of you don't know. Get a book and read his biography. You'll draw closer to the Lord like I have. And uh, you'll appreciate the school more. Sometimes God asks you to do strange things. Like Jesus said, okay, servants, come here. And Mary had said, do whatever he tells you. Fill these up with water. Uh, excuse me. Yo, we don't need water. <laughs> we haven't run out of water. We've run out of wine. It makes no sense, but what did she tell us? Do what he tells you. And 
time, it doesn't seem like it's even going to connect. But it's God. He knows what he's doing. Can I just add one more thing here? God wants to show us how abundant his supply is. Whatever you're struggling with today, it's a peanut shell to God. I know it seems like the end of the world to you. It's nothing. It's nothing. It's nothing. Cana was a podunk town. Cana was no big metropolis. So how many people were at that wedding? I'm trying to guess. I'm trying to figure it out. They invited Jesus, the disciples, other people, the bride, the groom. Let's say there was 100 people, 150 people. That's a good-sized wedding for Cana, Galilee. They've run out of wine. They have six jars that take 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus says, fill them all up. Let's take a medium number, 25 gallons in each. They fill it up, 25 gallons each. The water becomes wine. Look, there's only 150 people in the wedding. Six times 25, we really don't need 150 gallons of wine. I mean, they might be thirsty, but please. Am I correct? But what is God trying to teach us with that? I love you so much. I don't have just a little eking little thing to, that, to help you get through. I have rivers of blessing and supply. I have so far beyond, you know, he's trying to increase our faith beyond what we could ask or think. Nothing you need today and will ever need is too hard for God. Nothing. He has abundant supplies. So they tasted it. And I want to say this. Said it recently over at church. I want to say it over this school. The master of ceremonies had the wine brought to him. He didn't know what had happened. The servants only knew. And he tasted it and he went, call the, call the groom over here. Like, dude. I have been at some weddings in my life. <laughs> All weddings have the same formula. Best wine first. Then when everybody is happy, <laughs> you bring the cheaper wine out. <laughs> it's the only wedding I've ever been to where you save the best for last. So now listen, I want to tell you something about your life. If you will invite him, hear me today. You will invite him and keep inviting him. If you will tell him your need, you and I, tell him what we need all the time. Number three, if we're be ready to obey him and not be fooling around with things that he says, don't, don't mess with that. Don't look at that stuff. Don't be doing that. That's not right. Come on, you know. You'll do that by his grace. He will save the best for last in your life. And in this school. I don't care what A.B. Simpson did. You know why? The Bible says he will move us from faith to more faith. From glory to more glory. There is no plan for any life here where God's going to take you up. And wow, beautiful. And boom, boom, boom. No, it's never found anywhere in scripture. From faith to more faith. Blessing, more blessing. Grace, more grace. And he saves the best for last. How many of you here have been blessed by the Lord so far in your Amen. life? He's been good to you. Lift your hand. You don't even know what blessing is. 
because he is saving the best for last. It's going to increase. What? Why would it decrease? How could he love me and say, okay, I've helped you for a while. Now you and Carol have to go down the tubes. Sorry, I ran out of juice for you. I ran out of juice. That makes no sense, amen? What does he say to us? Invite me. Tell me what you need. Be ready to do what I tell you. And you will see the best is yet to come. It's going to happen for this school. No one has greater respect for A.B. Simpson, right? But if he were here standing with me, he would grab this microphone and say, Preach it, Jim. Preach it. Tell us. Because however he used me, he wants to use Dr. Scales and this school and you students to do even greater things. The school didn't belong up where it was there. That was a season. Now it's down here. This is where the, this is where the need is in the city. The other place is fine, but there's mostly squirrels up there that you have to minister. <laughs> down here, down here we got people. How many say amen? We got people here. This is where God, this is where God, this is where God is going to shake you. Amen? Amen. Close your eyes with me. Sing with me. I need the Sing it loud. pressure on you and you're not even sure how you're going to make it through this year it's just really hard I want you to stand right where you are I want to say a prayer of miraculous supply for your life everybody in financial trouble financial pressure eyes closed one more thing those of you, I, I guess, in your closer to graduation, you've been here for a while, you need a word from God as to what his plan is for your life. You're at like a crossroads. You're not sure. 
you need a supernatural word of direction. What does he want you to do next? Because it's coming to a close this education season. Just stand where you are. I need God to give me a word of direction. Just stand right where you're sitting. thank you for everyone in the room we're your children we mess up we make mistakes but we're your children we've been born again because of your mercy and your love we're coming boldly to you and asking for great things not because we deserve it but because you are such an awesome God so full of love and mercy that you tell us and invite us keep coming keep coming come to me come to me so thank you for the fact that we can pray today and we have such a good group of people here, Lord. So Lord, I pray for those facing financial pressure. Open the windows of heaven, God, and supply for each one of them. Help them to invite you into everything about the school and everything about their life. We invite you in. We tell you what the problem is. Right now they're telling you even the amounts of money that that they need God even though you know it you tell us to tell you so we're telling you now we're ready to do what you tell us get rid of disobedience waywardness sin tricks of the devil cleanse us get us strong through your spirit and your word and Lord we believe the best is yet to come we have not even begun to see what you can do in our lives because you are so awesome. You are so faithful. Te amo, Señor. Te amo mucho, Señor. I pray for those who need direction, Lord, a word from you. I pray, God, that you will give them that word of direction. You'll open the door that nobody can shut, and you'll shut the doors they shouldn't walk through. Don't let anybody be deceived now, Lord, by a false door, a false option. Protect us from the tricks of the enemy. We're not ignorant of his devices. Show us your plan, your way, and give us the grace to follow you. We love you. We praise you. We thank you for this time together around your word. Now I pray the blessing of God, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. The communion that we have with the Spirit and the blessing of Jesus be upon this entire school semester. Every class, every fellowship, all eating together, all let it be beautiful, Lord, in your sight. Help us to live not for ourselves, but for your pleasure and joy. For we ask this in Jesus' name. And everyone say it aloud. Amen. Do me a favor. Everybody stand, and let's give God the loudest hand clap of praise.